Sports podcast. I'm Joel Anderson. I'm Jordan Pomaville. And joining us as always is the outs. Oh boy, I just stumbled over that one. Joining us as always is the sports outsider Phil Ranta. Hey, I'm the sports outsider Phil Ranta. I remembered. Right, that's a lot of soft A sounds in a row. If anything, I feel like the fact that I've gotten it correct 300 plus times in a row. Yeah, really 398, to... 397 times in a row. Has oh, yeah. it really been that many times in a row you've got it correct? <laughs> yeah, there might have yes. been a bobble in there, one or two. Yes, Jordan. It might have. Might have been a bobble. Might have been a do bobble. You me- do you remember that great bit I used to do where I'd say exactly when we were recording every single time just to, just to ag- agonize Phil? Yes, I remember yep. that was a thing you said. Yes. That was. Very funny jokes. <laughs> that was like the first hundred episodes. <laughs> Well, we got a great podcast today. We got Tour de France coming up, and we have, and we've had him on. Uh, oh, calm down, Joel. Calm down. Calm One more down. Week. One more week. You'll you'll get to ask questions too. We're gonna have on a cyclist Pierre Roland. Oh. Uh, we had him on a few uh, weeks ago to talk about uh, the cultural changes that COVID has forced on the Tour de France. Now we're gonna have him on to talk about a very exclusive health bubble that apparently will make the Tour de France safe for cyclists. Yeah, it seems like that's what all sports are doing, right? They're just going into their bubbles. Well, baseball's just sort of full steam ahead on whatever. Sure. (laughs) But uh, everyone else that's doing it successfully is in a bubble. I'm definitely interested in this, because historically speaking, you know, you're biking on public roads, there's people standing along the sides of them. When there's heavy crowds, it's always a thing. So I'm, I'm intrigued to hear how... You know, how cycling is going to tackle the very public nature of their sport and how much interaction there is in the COVID era. Yeah. I guess that's good, too. It is an outdoor sport, so that that's good over, like, you know, yeah, miles well, and sure, miles. Right? I'm sure I, Pierre Roland will be able to tell us a little bit more about the science that went into the decisions and, you know, how they are trying to tackle just that. That it's like it is outdoors, but it's it's... Being outdoors also means that they can't control it the way that you can a bubble usually. And sure. uh, Phil, we got a wide world of weird sports. You're goddamn right, we do. And news, news, news. But first, feel good news. News feels good. Yay! Feel good news. Brought to you by those uh, neck massagers that you give to people when you don't know what other present to give them. It stays in your closet. <laughs> Tiger Woods' son, Charlie Woods, wins U.S. Kids Golf Event. Really? Subheadline, first place finish belies sad fact that Charlie was only the fourth or at most third richest kid there. (laughs) Sub subheadline, what if I don't want to go to Friendly's to celebrate? Oh, yeah. Ouch. Uh, Gotta see his mom. Oh. (laughs) Uh, A couple weeks ago, Charlie Woods won a U.S. Kids Golf-sanctioned event at Hammer Creek Golf Club in Palm City, Florida. And despite sounding like something written on a piece of cardboard by a pedophile as a trick, U.S. Kids Golf is the actual name of the organization. Oh, no. Yikes. Uh, The younger Woods uh, competed in the age 11 category and shot a three-under par for the nine-hole event. He had three birdies, 
no bogeys, and a doctor's note in the event he tested positive for HGH. (laughs) His dad, the more well-known Tiger Woods, acted as his caddy for much of the day, carrying his son's clubs and presumably taking the brunt of of verbal abuse and colorful vernacular that Charlie inherited from his dad. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. I gotta, I gotta ask you here, uh, Charlie. I'm sorry, I forgot what I was about to ask you. Huh. Well, I'm sure you, I'm sure it'll, you, I'm sure it'll come to you, Joel. Yeah, you usually, I'll, I'll, it usually I'll does that. In, yeah, whatever you, you move on to, to say next, I'll interrupt when I remember. I'm sure at some inopportune time you'll bring up yeah. something that's totally worth it. Uh, so <laughs> boy the anticipation of the people at home what did joel forget to say moments before he was gonna say it um so basically that's what lit up social media was the pictures of tiger hauling around his his child's cu- clubs oh i remember i okay. was just going to point out how tiger woods uh tiger woods's life was effectively ruined by his overbearing father when he was a child is he doing the same thing to Charlie now? I don't think his father was overbearing. I read that uh, Wright Thompson piece. And if you happen to be an 11-year-old South Florida kid, can you imagine how hard your dad would be riding you to qualify for this event just so he could get a picture with Tiger? Sure. <laughs> Man, you're right, yeah. Next like, level. That'd be the fucking worst. And you don't even know this guy. You're an 11-year-old. You know, you're like, you're vaguely aware of him, but he's not your hero. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you're you're already having to go out there and golf this much because you're fulfilling your father's dreams. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> a chance to meet Tiger Woods and things have just kicked into overdrive. That's like when uh, every once in a while your dad is like, hey, we've got to go to this thing because then I get to meet Frankie Valentine. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Frankie Valentine? I, uh, I'm I'm thankful that I think my dad never continued to idolize someone into a adulthood quite like that. So I good. I didn't have to. I didn't have to go through that. Uh, when asked about having his his dad as a caddy, Charlie had a typical response for an 11 year old. "Quote: I was really hoping I could just rent a cart." <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, that was bad. Okay, so a little no, background no, no. here. You're right because when you're 11. All you can think of is a golf cart seems like the thing between me and actual car where the potential damage is is reduced, but the joyride is still fun. Yeah, it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so quick, quick I, background here. Woods has two children with his wife, uh, Ellen. They divorced in... Ex-wife. Tw- oh, yeah, ex-wife. sorry. Ex-wife. I don't Thank know if you, you caught the news, Jordan, but he's no longer with Ellen. Nor <laughs> you know, I might have missed that story. Yeah, sad, uh, sad tale. <laughs> uh, anyway, actually, he had two children with his ex-wife. They divorced in 2010. There is Charlie and the 13-year-old Sam. And I think I just figured out who the favorite is. <laughs> uh, he shares custody with Ellen. She gets them for the school week where they attend a private academy and religious holidays, while Tiger gets them for jet skiing and ice cream. Nice. <laughs> uh, I mean... That might be the balance that works best for their family. <laughs> uh, in the end, Charlie won by five strokes. Mm. This was not close. And uh, if I could, I'd like to end this segment by doing a quick rundown of the standings. You guys right. cool with that? Sure, just, yeah, just let's hear it. These are, these are all 11-year-olds, so every yes. time you say strokes, try to imagine the giggling in the background. 
Okay, so your first place you had uh, uh, Charlie Woods. Mm-hmm. Second place uh, at plus two, despite owning his own golf course that also has a roller coaster, Richard Rich the second. Oh, oh okay. wow. Yeah. yeah, it's actually better known as Richie Rich. Sure. Too much uh, time in the roller coaster, not enough time in the green. Uh, third, third place at plus three was a three-way tie between Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah. Uh, I hear they've got a rich uncle, yeah. Yeah, fourth and, place. And I'll tell you what, once you've learned how to putt over gold coins... You know, grass is is nothing. Uh, fourth place was a Mister Macintosh. Mm-hmm. He paid his paid his entry fee in cash. That's the that's the kid from Blank Check. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Fifth place. Well, actually, no. Actually, she was disqualified. Was Ellie Mae Clampett? Her yeah. her her club was just a yardstick uh, tied to a hunting knife with twine. So that was that was yeah. a disqualification. It's amazing she's still young enough to to uh, participate in this tournament, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, see then then sixth place doesn't make a lick of sense. It's Colin Hanks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he just that's, looks young. He, just, he I don't know forever I, young. I don't know how he got in. Well, if and, this is mostly a rich kid thing, you got to assume people are pulling strings every year. So ah, uh, that's actually a good point. <laughs> Uh, and and last place, despite starting with eagles on the first four holes, he finished ten over par. Greg Norman the third. Oh, that's such a shame. <laughs> feel good news. News feels good. Yay! Good news. Brought to you by those neck massagers. Nobody uses them. News, news, news on the Sports, Sports, Sports podcast with Jordan, Joel, and Phil. News, news, news. Stanley Cup playoffs bubble watch update. Stanley Cup playoffs bubble watch update. Brought to you by... Stanley's carpet shampooer that has a lot of bubbles. Wow, this is a perfect integration. (laughs) Dallas Stars head coach filled with existential dread after a win over Calgary Flames. Uh-oh. Subheadline, Calgary Flames coach just regular depressed. Yeah, existential dread is, boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, last week, we checked in on the Stanley Cup playoff bubble in Toronto, but it's time to check in on the other bubble in Edmonton, which my research shows is another city in Canada. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. On Thursday, on Thursday, the Dallas Stars took on the Calgary Flames in game six of their series, which the Dallas Stars led three games to two. Uh, so the Calgary Flames were playing for their playoff lives, and they scored three times before the Stars even had a shot on goal. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. That's hockey blitzkrieg. Yikes. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things where I feel like a, you know, usually even, you know, you watch a hockey game, it's very hard to see how one team is dominating another team, you know, unless you're like a real, like, hockey fan. But every once in a while... I think even a novice could watch and go like, oh, wow. The team in the red shirts is getting its ass kicked. Right. So so the Flames had three goals before the Stars even had a shot. And that, that also sounds, by the way, like a put-down a Canadian bully would use on a Canadian nerd <laughs> in a Canadian team comedy. I've yeah. scored three times. ATN doesn't even have a shot on goal. <laughs> Maybe uh, too cruel, though, for... That's I mean, true. Canadians That's... might say that, but yeah, they'd have to bleep it, it out for the TV version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've beeped three times. ATN doesn't even have a beep on that, goal. That sounds even worse. Jeez, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but the stars responded 
like a roller hockey team. They scored seven consecutive goals to win what? the game seven to three. Wow. What the did did the uh, did the goalie for the Stars switch sides after letting three in? Like what? Uh, no, that's nuts. Uh, they did they did pull the the Calgary Flames did pull their goalie though after the Stars tied it up. It did not make a difference. Um, <laughs> wait, this... wait. I mean, no. It 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 sure sounds like it resulted <laughs> in the Stars scoring four unanswered goals. Fair to go um, with the three that they had right before it. Uh, this was the you, Joel. You might you probably don't know this, but you'd be interested to know that this was the first time in Stanley Cup playoff history that is a, that a team is trailed by three goals and then led by four. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I, I'm not that shocked to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and for for players and coaches, that's an emotional roller coaster, highs and lows that could only be matched by the recently opened Mount Timber Falls, located in Ice Road Truckers <laughs> Land at Maple Leaf World, Canada's only amusement park. We got two right. sponsors for this segment. <laughs> First of all, I know you're joking, Jordan, but I seriously want to spend, uh, like, I want to take a month and explore the Canadian Plains at some point. I think that'd be a fun vacation. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I think it's a beautiful country. Um, but, uh, but apparently, this emotional roller coaster was most true for Rick Bonus, the head coach of the victorious Dallas Stars. Quote, His, his last name is Bonus? B O W N E S S. Cool. Oh, Might be Bowness. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, quote: It's great that we're playing and that we're back, but it's tough. That game was a mess for both sides. It's tough to explain, but I don't think people understand how tough it is living in a bubble. This bubble <laughs> living is not what you think it is. Until you're living it day to day, you don't understand what everyone's going through. This was after a win that sends his team to the Western Conference semifinals. Yeah, life it, it, hockey's in a tough spot right now. I don't like I mean, the sound of this. I mean, that really puts your work at home on we in perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, quote: I've gone a couple days where I haven't even gone outside. The way we're set up here, the hotel is connected to the rink. You walk from the hotel. You're in a tunnel. You get to the rink. Then you go right back and right to your room. You got to make a concerted effort just to go outside and get some fresh air. Which, by the way, the weather in Edmonton now is amazing. I believe it. This is the two months of a year when you could say that. Joel, it's at least another two weeks until winter. Right, excuse me. (laughs) Uh, So, and look, I get it. Look, we're all, look, COVID is, is very tough on mental health. But coach, the coach then starts to sound a little bit like a guy who might shoot up the office. Quote, <laughs> they made us all feel safe and secure here. That being said, it's not like we're walking out to a park. We're going to a courtyard and there are the three other teams sitting there. You go to the gym and you're working out with the people you're playing against that night. Jesus, somebody get coached some Timbits. Yeah, yeah. totally. Calm uh, down. I gotta say, the these the are whole, all real like, quotes. I want to know. Sometimes yeah. I fabricate quotes. I just want you to know we have we have one more, and these are all actual quotes. Oh wow. Okay. No, let's hear it. Okay. Well, this is this is the last one. This one gets a little off the rails. So this one is less so than what I just said. Yeah. Uh, un- unlike those earlier ones that were straight as an arrow. <laughs> yeah. It's every team, every game I'm watching has emotional swings. Listen, 
Until you live what we're going through, you have no idea what we're going through. I watched a snail crawl along the edge of a straight razor. That's my dream. That's my nightmare. Crawling, slithering along the edge of a straight razor and surviving. Yikes. Oh, the horror. The horror. Joining us now on the podcast is uh, Tour de France French cyclist Pierre Roland. Uh, hello, it is uh, good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming back, Pierre. I am yes. so excited that we are a week from cycling. Uh, we are a week away from the Tour de France. As we discussed last time I was here, uh, we uh, were a bit nervous for the COVID, but now we are all okay in our super luxurious bubble. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I'm, Last time you were you were worried about the lack of kisses. I remember that yep. as being a cultural thing. Not not uh, enough kisses uh, would uh, make the Tour de France not the same. But now we have plenty of contact in our really? super what? luxurious bubble. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, I I was saying before you came on, Pierre. I'm I'm. Super interested to hear how this works because I think that uh, cycling and the nature of the sport presents a very unique challenge in terms of trying to isolate the athletes. Oh well, cycling is a uh, is a bit of a more elevated sport, you know. Other sports they have their well, bubbles. especially in the mountain stages. <laughs> that, that is a pun, yes. Uh, <laughs> but the I know, liked it, Joel. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the you know the the if you're playing baseball, then no bubble. If you're playing uh, football, maybe you're staying in a Hilton. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. If you're playing okay. hockey, yeah. maybe you're camping out in the woods. I don't know in the bubble woods. But okay. we get a super luxurious bubble that is full yeah. of cushions and supermodels. Well, yeah, because oh, he's spoken like a man who's never been to the Edmonton Hilton, but continue. Yes. Yeah, so the, the article said it was a very exclusive bubble. And by the way you're describing it, it it does indeed sound that way. I guess. Could you could you go a little further? Oh, it is very exclusive. First of all, we have a bouncer outside of our bubble. I'm sorry, what? We have a bouncer with a velvet rope. It is very exclusive. Oh, I thought you were talking about like a bounce house, and that seemed very off-brand for you. But oh, no, I mean, bouncer, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You don't because you don't want people. You need to keep, you know, you need to keep uh, the bubble airtight, right? You need oh, to, yes. you need a seal yeah. on the bubble. Well, I mean, that's the great part is then a- if if a very beautiful woman gets in the line, then the they call them up. The bouncer calls them up behind the velvet rope, and then there's a littler room they have to stay in for fourteen days. And then they get to come inside the luxurious bubble. So they, there's, there's, I mean, uh, just to be clear. So apparently the, the, the beautiful women who want to come into the bubble are willing to isolate themselves for, for two weeks just for a chance to do that. Well, it's still a bubble, Joel. Well, yeah, I know. I hear that. I'm just saying if the people you're describing are the, cycling groupies i don't want to make any assumptions here but if they are i mean that's a lot of dedication to wait two weeks just for a chance to hang out with your favorite cyclists yes that is true (laughs) so so okay so uh obviously that little waiting room that they're in 
Probably not that nice. I mean, maybe you could give me a rundown of that, and then what it's like for them when they actually get past that little waiting room and get into the luxurious bubble. Oh, it's kind of a, like a... See, we want them to really get excited when they actually enter the luxurious bubble. So we kind <laughs> of designed that room kind of like a uh, like an airport terminal. Well, I imagine they're going to be pretty excited about entering the bubble because they've been sitting in isolation for two weeks. Sure, yes. That is true. Seems like any room other than the waiting room is going to be extremely exciting to them. And then, of course, they're greeted by our bubble butler. We call him (laughs) Bibi the bubble butler. Bibi the bubble butler. Bibi the bubble butler. And uh, he does the regular... What are his bona fides, by the way? Yes. He's what what made him what made him a, a good butler? What would be BB the bubble butler's bona fides? Well, does he have a bubble butt? No, he's just a regular guy. But he's uh yeah. he's very polite. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, and uh, he d- makes zero jokes about cycling. <laughs> it's okay, actually that, a get- very hard process to find someone like him to bring in. Okay, so so so, and then so is he like then escorting people into the butler and kind of getting the uh, into the bubble and getting them whatever they need, or? Well, of course, like all the good uh, bubble butlers, he <laughs> first uh, takes their temperature with a little uh, forehead thing, and then okay, they yep. put out their hands and they put on the most luxurious hand sanitizer, and okay. then comes the delousing. I'm sorry, what? Uh, uh, there's so many questions. What makes it luxurious hand sanitizer? Oh, it's creamy. <laughs> uh, probably won't dry you out. Probably moisturizing, too. Yeah, you want the, cre- yeah. the foamy one instead of the watery one? Well, uh, I mean, I would argue that the the presence of the alcohol is usually what, what dries you out, but it's also the thing that disinfects. And if you put in some sort of oily stuff, that would potentially reduce the effectiveness of the disinfectant. Yeah, for, Tell me I mean, about the delousing. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, of course. And then after that, because, you know, we have to just make sure that when they're in that dirty waiting room, they, they're they not covered in louse. <laughs> what is louse? We have to uh, de- uh, louse. Well, I know it's a country in Southeast Asia. Uh, okay. But I think that's a different, but, a different spelling, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But I assume it is also some sort of, as you say in America, a critter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is, this is true. I hate to keep harping in this waiting room, but are there lice in the waiting room? I don't know what the other groupies might have brought in with them. It is, uh, I think it's that, yeah. I think it's more what what was what were they exposed to before oh, the waiting okay. room. Okay, all right. Yes, and then, of course, once they uh, all get into this uh, luxurious bubble, then they just uh, do what they do in the 1960s cocaine rich person Hollywood movies. They mostly lounge on couches with champagne and complain that they're, uh, that they're bored. Okay, wow. I so, mean, even, even after they spent two weeks in isolation, they're bored by the bubble? That's what celebrities like everybody in the luxurious bubble like out of their supermodels, you know? They sit uh, there with me, champagne and they go, I am bored. Being rich is all about having the opportunity to be bored about nice things. Exactly. Now you're understanding, Joel. <laughs> So is there anything, so, I mean, what about, okay, so these are the women coming to the bubble. What about the cyclist? I, like you said, it's in a luxurious bubble. Obviously, it has to be that way for the cyclist. So what, what is your day-to-day in the bubble? Oh, it's wonderful. So when you go, first of all, no wife and kids. 
Okay. Luxurious. This is a very, very public podcast, Pierre, but okay. No, that's fine. She uh, does not listen. She does not speak English, so she would not get much out of this. Okay. All right. Plenty of people who do speak English also don't. (laughs) I would believe that to be true. It's a very specific podcast for a very specific audience. Zach Evans. Zach Evans. (laughs) Uh, And then, oh, then it's great. You get to uh, pick your room and... For the shorter cyclists, they can go up to king size. But if you're a taller cyclist, you can get a California king. And oh if my. you're a sexy cyclist, you can get a water bed. Really? That I mean, that does sound luxurious. That so, uh, you're getting these nice beds and everything. Very luxurious. Yes. So I'm, I'm guessing you get a king size then. <laughs> oh, I get a king size, yes. I am not yeah. very tall. But that's a... Uh, for me, a king size is huge. I could roll over eight times before falling off of the edge. Okay, have- I mean, this all sounds pretty great, but obviously you guys are going to have to leave the bubble every time you actually go for a ride. Oh, well, we've got Pelotons, but yes, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry? Then we got Peloton bikes, you know. Is that- Peloton is- has Pelotons? Yeah, we got a peloton, and so if we do not want to go outside, which we do not want to go outside, but when we do go outside, if we want to uh, take a practice run, they clear out the streets like they're filming Vanilla Sky in the uh, in Times Square. <laughs> okay. Yup. That is a okay. very specific reference. Yeah. Are, yeah. Are you are you asking them to do it in a lot of major urban areas? Well, of course. If you're not doing it through France, then it doesn't feel like you're training for the Tour de France. Right, but like the French countryside is supposed to... Well, either way, we get it all cleared <laughs> out. So do you think, do you think, let me, t- let me ask you this, Pierre, you know, you, you're, you're in the bubble now, you're going to be doing the Tour de France. Do you think there, that the bubble is going to help ultimately your performance or hurt your performance? Because I know oh. this is totally new. I think it's going to help my performance. We will all be so relaxed going in. We'll feel so good. And then as soon as we see people uh, around the area, we might go, ah, germs! Because that's what this COVID thing is doing to all of us. Right, right. No, and that's understandable. That might throw me me off my game just a little bit. Let me ask you, Pierre, do you you plan on wearing a mask when you're on the bike? Or when you're in the bubble, do you wear a mask? I mean, you can't. How would you kiss? Right. We talked about this before. I thought they had kind of gotten rid of the kissing. Well, yeah, but when you're in the bubble, you know that everybody is kiss ready. <laughs> is that is that one of those is that one of those uh, French words that doesn't have a good English translation? It does not. There's the best a one is kiss ready. <laughs> yeah. But in America, it's you know kiss ready or kiss positive. Yeah, right. I find this really interesting. What's the word in French? The word in French. It's yeah. No, 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 Jordan. Yeah, Americans cannot pronounce it properly. Only the French can say and everybody understands what it means. That's probably true. Unless you have a lot of disdain for every other country in the world, you can't get the right sound in the back of your throat. (laughs) That is true. All right. All right, Pierre. Uh, we've learned a lot about the bubble today. Are there any other, any other things that you can tell us that might make this year's Tour de France unique? Uh, there's a thing going on called coronavirus. That'll be very unique. 
That's well, why did you think you were doing the bubble, Pierre? Well, that's what I, I just didn't know if Jordan didn't know. I know why I'm doing the bubble. Well, thank you very much, Pierre. I really appreciate it. It is today. good to be here. And now it's time for another wide world of weird sports. Oh, it's wide world of sports time. Let's wide world of sports. Wide world of weird sports. What do we got this week? This week's wide world of weird sports. Major League back to the minors. Oh, Scott Bakula. I started watching this once and turned it off. Well, now you're going to know the whole damn thing. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Phil. Just to interrupt you real quick. This was supposed to be the segment where we were all going to give our book report on Kid Baroni. Kid Monk Baroni. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. watched it last night. Did, did you, you not do your homework, Phil? No, I did not watch Kid Monk Baroni this week. <laughs> uh, well, maybe next week. Okay, Major yeah. League 3, back to the minors. All right, Major League Back to the Minors is a 1998 American sports comedy film written and directed by John Warren. It is the third film in the Major League series following 1989's Major League and 1994's Major League 2, and it's considered a spin-off. <laughs> As oh. opposed to a sequel. Right. Yeah. But it's exactly. but it's part of the Major League extended universe. Yeah, right, I mean there's still some uh characters that are that carry over. Oh, but, okay. You know, it's mostly uh new it's mostly new introducing a new class so they could reboot. I'm guessing I'm guessing they were unable to get Omar Epps to come back for the third movie after getting being unable to get uh Wesley Snipes to come back for the second movie. All of which has led them to decide they need just entirely new characters instead of going with the third actor. You are. It's correct, interesting sir. that you th- that you thought Willie Mays Hayes was the crux of the series. Right. <laughs> was a, he's he's one of the most player. interesting characters. He's one of the most memorable. That's true. No, that's true. He's just not the main character. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was a very big actor, and he's he's not the main character, but they did completely switch out the actor who played him. Tom Berenger was a catcher with busted knees and a Vietnam hero, Joel. That's true. You say true. that, but it's, it's, it's like a sitcom. The straight guy who they center the stories around is the main character, quote-unquote, but nobody cares. It's the quirky side characters that make the movie, Jordan. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, fair point, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's Withdrawn, fair. your honor. So Roger Dorn is now the owner of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Sorry. You're <laughs> right. They did get Roger Dorn back. Yep, Corbin Burnson is back, baby. Uh, Aging minor league pitcher Gus Cantrell, who plays for the Fort Myers Miracle, is planning to retire. Then, Roger recruits Gus to be the manager of The Buzz, the Twins' AAA minor league affiliate. Gus's mission is to make a real team out of a bunch of players who include a ballet dancer turned ball player, Lance the Dance Pair. Mm-hmm. Yep. A minor league lifer, Frank Pops Morgan. Rube Baker. Taka Tanaka. Pedro Serrano. Pitcher Hog Ellis. Home Wait, run. Pe- Pedro Serrano's not a ragtag non baseball player. He's a successful major league first Well, baseman. I think I was wondering at this point, is he washed up and back in the minors? Like, he struggling is, because oh, it's still in. played by Dennis Haysbert. Mm. Yeah. Is, is he still unable to hit a curveball? Because 
That'd be the first realistic aspect of the Major League series. Possible. I, I don't know. It doesn't say that specifically in the sentence, and I have not seen the film, but I assume so. I guess I'll let you finish the sentence, Phil. And then, of course, there's uh, pitcher Hog Ellis, home run hitter Billy Downtown Anderson, and pitcher Carl Doc Windgate, a medical school graduate who throws the slowest fastball in the minors. <laughs> Let me say you don't you don't get a lot of downtowns with the last name Anderson. Is that correct, yeah. Joel? Yeah, I uh, I definitely let's see. Like my Brown last is a reunion, name. Like yeah, there was uh, things that rhyme see, with town. My cousin cousin Carl downtown Anderson. Oh geez, uh, oh wow. And then let's see the the Saskatchewan Andersons have a couple of downtowns. Uh, but yeah, maybe I there mean, are. It, we get a lot I, I, more I stand corrected. Jordan. There's a lot more oh. electric Andersons. So oh, uh, that makes yeah. sense. No, it doesn't. However, I, I well, before you continue, Phil, I, I want to say to Jordan real quick, I'm very concerned about the organizational depth of the Minnesota Twins right now. Oh, yes. And, in, 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 in the Major League Universe, yes. Yeah, these are guys you're expecting to call up. I mean, if this were a single-A team, rookie league maybe, it'd be one thing. But this is this is a deep concern. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, however, Gus clashes with Leonard Huff, a snobby manager of the Twins. Mm. Yep. <laughs> One night in Minnesota, Gus is in, and his fiance Maggie Reynolds, are having dinner with Roger and Huff in an upscale restaurant where Huff challenges Gus to a game between the Buzz and the Twins, and Gus accepts the challenge. Oh, so like, uh, like kind of like a spring training inter-squad game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, and I, again, though, I really got to reiterate my concern for the Twins as an organization. <laughs> this sort of combativeness between your AAA organization and your, your major ball uh, club is just not going to be good. Yeah, not I great. Think, uh, I think a Sinner- little piss and vinegar can bring out some good competitors, Joel. Oh, maybe, but it, it's very synergistic. Like, the you know, the guys on the AAA team could just as easily be on the Major League team next week. Doesn't really seem that way, though. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't in this particular case. But, uh, but yeah, I just want to, again, say how concerned I am about the Twins. Right. That's fair. Uh, I got to zoom through some of this. Uh, Gus clashes with Leonard Huff, which is the snobby manager of the Twins. Uh, we've already talked about that. So the game is scheduled to take place in the Hubert Humphrey Metrodome in Minnesota. The Twins take a 3-0 to zero lead in the sixth inning. Inning, but downtown hits a home run that ties the game three to three. Yay! So do they do they mention as to whether or not the twins uh, continually turn on and off the air conditioning system so as to screw with the fly balls when they're they're coming at the the members of their AAA team? Doesn't say. Huh. Okay. All right. Interesting. But Huss has the Huff has the stadium lights turned off so the game can end in a tie rather than give the Buzz <laughs> the chance to win an extra innings. You so know what? Ba- they basically did, Joel. Your question yeah. is, yes, they did. Yeah, they yeah. did screw with that. Typical <laughs> typical twin shenanigans. Metrodome <laughs> bullshit is what that is. Right. Well, now Huff wants to bring downtown up to the twins, even though Gus believes he's not yet ready. However, Anderson jumps at the opportunity, turning his back on Gus. Well, of course. That's why you joined the minors, right? To make the majors? Yeah. So Gus issues a challenge for Huff to bring the Twins to the Buzz Stadium for another game. If the Twins win, Gus will give his salary for the year to Huff. If Gus and the Buzz beat the Twins, 
Gus can take over as the manager of the Twins. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a real bad bet for the guy running the Twins. Triple-A salaries are low. He's sure. risking his livelihood for a chance at what, like, maybe a quarter of what he earns in a year. That's true. But this time, the Twins take a 4-0 lead in the sixth inning, but the buzz still manages to come from behind with three runs and then win the game 5-4, to thanks to a game-running two-run homer by downtown. And then Gus decides that he wants to stay with the buzz so they can continue to work with minor league players on their skills and hopefully turn them to stars. Yeah, that's great news for buzz, but again, speaks... Very poorly of the Minnesota organization, top to bottom. That's fair. That's fair. And that brings yeah. it on to another wide world of a weird sports. It's kind of a sad ending, even though it's supposed to be a happy ending because of the whole salary thoughts. Citizens of Podcast Town, this brings you a close of the sports. 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 Podcast. Before we go, we're going to bring back Pierre Roland to give you our contact information. Yes, Pierre? I am still here. Yes. You can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. That's facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. We have very fast internet in our luxurious bubble. <laughs> or you can find us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash sports number three podcast. That's twitter.com slash sports the number three podcast. Yes, Twitter is a place where we can share out all of our pictures of our wonderful hot tub in Champagne. Or you can find all of our back episodes at anchor.fm slash sports number three podcast. That's anchor.fm slash sports the number three podcast. Very luxurious. Thank you very much, Pierre. You're welcome. Hey, guys. Joel. Joel. I gotta say, I'm uh, really impressed with Pierre. All of these complications being thrown at him. And no matter what, he managed to just keep roll on and on and on. And- Bye, Bye, Joel. Joel. <laughs> <laughs>